0: Good morning, everyone. Today, I'm publishing a conversation I had with Joel Hellermark, the CEO of SANA. SANA is a next-generation learning and AI knowledge assistant platform. They happen to be the company we're working with on Galileo, but this isn't really about Galileo. It's really about the learning technology market, and I think you're going to find this fascinating. I'm going to be doing other podcasts with vendors over the next few months, particularly on the AI technologies, because they're so new. And let me just say, in the learning industry, companies like Docebo, Uplimit, Aerist, Sana, are really going to revolutionize this space, and many others I'm sure that I haven't talked to yet, because it is so well-suited for AI, almost as interestingly unique as in the recruiting market. So take a listen to this, and if you are a vendor and you really want to talk to us about what you're working on, please let us know. Send a message. And I'm going to be writing a big article about this, which will be entitled The Autonomous Learning Platforms That Are Coming, which I wrote about in the predictions. And you'll hear from Joel the vision of something that I think I started working on in 1998, to be honest, that has been very hard to achieve in organizations. But I think it's actually possible now. So take a listen. And at the end, I'll do a little wrap up. Okay, I'm here with Joel Hellermark, the founder of Sana Sana Labs. Sana, we just go by Sana now. Great. And as most of you know, Joel and I are working together on Galileo, and Sana is our partner on Galileo. But we're not going to talk too much about Galileo. We're going to talk about Sana and Joel. So, Joel, maybe to get started, tell everybody about your background and what made you decide to start Sana.
1: Of course. So I was very fortunate to grow up uh, during a time where, where with an internet connection, you could effectively learn anything. So I came across these uh, Stanford courses from Andrew Ng, and at the age thirteen, I was I was able to just take them on 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 my computer at at home, and I really got obsessed with with programming, and I, I spent uh, quite a few years of working then as a, as a software engineer. And at that beginning, I was really interested in, from the beginning, machine learning, but but equally human learning. And I got obsessed with what is this process that enables humans to acquire new, new knowledge. And I founded my first AI company when I was 16. And then I w- when I was thinking about what to do next, I started thinking hang about- Hang on a
0: minute, hang on a minute. How long ago was that?
1: <laughs> so it was about 11 years now.
0: So so you've been doing this for a long time, since you were a high school kid, basically. Yeah, exactly. Okay. All right.
1: So I thought when I was uh, looking to what, what I would do next, I was really inspired by, by these historical Swedish entrepreneurs like Ingvar Kamprad, who founded IKEA, for example. And, and they really spent an entire career, you know. 60 plus years pursuing a problem and i thought if i wanted to do my life's work now i better select a problem that i i care about very deeply and and this intersection of human learning and machine learning had long been a a big obsession of mine so that's what i set out to pursue back in back in 2016 and and that led to to sana and and since we've we've shipped several products at at that intersection of machine learning and, and human learning
0: So, you know, it's funny. I mean, we kind of grew up in a parallel universe. I'm a little bit older than you, but I stumbled into online learning in 1998. (laughs) 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 And so I would agree with you that human learning using technology is a a never-ending challenge, really. It's quite interesting how challenging and different it keeps becoming. So when you started this, did you know that there was such a thing as a learning management system and all this infrastructure and all this history of this stuff? How did you come to know the space?
1: It's an incredibly good question because... I didn't. But then I came uh, across this great mind called Josh Bursin, who, uh, who taught me all about it. So I, I I heard about learning management systems all of the time when I was out talking to customers. And I didn't quite want to frame it that way. Because I preferred the sort of first principles way of reasoning of, okay, what's the problem, we're trying to have folks learn something here and then architect a a solution around that problem rather than sort of get caught into the existing categories of lmss and lxps and authoring tools and and so on but i remember the first time i sort of saw this table you created about what sort of fit into to to each category and, and that was actually the first time i i understood what what an lms was
0: you know, Joel, this is going to sound really funny to you, but in 1998, when I fell into online learning, it was before the internet was really very big. We built a product at a company that I was at called Arista Knowledge Systems, that was basically a knowledge management system for learning, and we couldn't get anybody to buy it. <laughs> nobody, because nobody understood what the heck we were talking about. So, in many ways, you're, you know, right where the market has been trying to go for a long, long time. So, given that you've now learned that. You call SANA an LMS. Yeah. It's really much, much more than that, right? I mean, my perspective, you guys have heard me talk about this. I think learning management systems are management systems. They're not learning systems. And that was why the M was always in the abbreviation. But now they're really learning systems. So tell everybody on the podcast what you're doing that's different from what most people would think of as an LMS. Of course. And
1: we we want to make sure we also deliver really well on you know, sort of the, the classical LMS tasks, but but we also don't want to get stuck in, in, in that category because to your point, it, ultimately it is about learning. And I always thought it was such a messy ecosystem. You would bring in an LMS, then an LXP, and then an authoring tool, and you would stick this together. And then you might add enterprise search and a knowledge management tool on, on top of that and, and so on. So what we aim to do is solve this in a in an end-to-end way, meaning build the best tools for you to create the knowledge with a multiplayer editor, with interactive cards that allows you to create really delightful content, an editor that is AI assisted. So you don't have to create all of the content yourself. You have this AI co-pilot with you. You can just upload a PDF, have it automatically generate an entire interactive course. You can tell it to generate a question or a poll or an interactive card, card for you a tool that solves the analytics really well. You can build custom dashboards to understand how your learners are, are progressing, how the content is, 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 is performing. A tool that made the learning uh, process highly personalized in the sense that it adapted the content to each individual learner, to their knowledge level, their interests, and and so on. And finally, that also enables you to just put this entire process on autopilot. So, you had all of the automations you you needed, and and when we looked at that, we also took some inspiration from marketing automation platforms, and in terms of how you could set up triggers and so on to deliver the right learning to the right person at the right at the right time. So although we play in the LMS category, and we make sure you know we deliver on on everything you need there. We also want to go far beyond that because we think that's such a legacy category category that you know every time I, I hear it's described as an LMS, it kind of hurts a bit. But I also <laughs> know that that you know that's that's ultimately the abbreviation that, that folks are looking for when when buying.
0: Yeah, I think well I think you have to kind of stake out that category because it's such a big space and people know what it is. So so this idea of about this idea of autonomous learning. So as I was writing the predictions report, I was reading about autonomous driving and the five levels of autonomous driving. And I, I don't know if you saw this chart I put together of the five levels of autonomous learning. I mean, I think there's an analogy there. Is, is that where you sort of see this going, where some content is generated automatically, some content is available directly on demand from the source? What about the human live part of this? How do you see this all coming together?
1: I think, yeah, there are very different types of this process where one is highly collaborative. You want to sort of be discussing and, and learning from folks in a, in a in a room. And there's others where it's way more efficient if you have content dynamically generated. If you have this knowledge assistant effectively that knows all of the world's knowledge all of your company's knowledge knows exactly what you know and can pull together the exact content in the exact format you prefer it in real time that's incredibly powerful and and that's literally just made possible the last year or yeah. or so this is the first time where we can truly truly deliver on on that promise and i i think it's incredibly um exciting because to, to the point of, of what we built with with Galileo there, you basically get this tutor, you could ask anything and it's grounded in your research. It's uh, citing every source. So I know where it's coming from when I want to dig dig deeper, but it's highly personalized and highly contextual to me. So I think that's the role where the knowledge assistants can play a big right. role personalizing, pulling in the content. And then you want to combine that with the more experiential learning where you discuss it in groups and go deeper on, on that. And what we aim to do with the platform is to both deliver on those highly collaborative parts, but also on the more sort of self-study where personalization mm-hmm. really assists.
0: I mean, I have to agree, you know, when we started with Galileo, now that we've had it out for a while, I realized this is sort of the way people want to learn. They want to ask a question and then they want to tell the system, give me more information, give me a course, give me a video, as opposed to, here's a big library of videos, click the one you like, or think you're going to like, and then 15 minutes into it, you're like, that was a waste of time, I clicked the wrong one.
1: You're an analogy of, of the, the system, so, sort of the autopilot uh, steps, what we're seeing now is also these assistants can be more proactive, so they can anticipate the questions we'll want to ask before we ask them, and and then nudge us in in, in those directions as uh, as well. And I think that will be incredibly powerful. you, know?
0: you know, Let me ask you about that particular topic. So many of the older LMS vendors tried to do that. If I think back about Saba, not Sana, and many of the other vendors at sort of that ilk, what they would do is they would say, you're an employee, this is your job title, this is your level, this is your job description, this is your competency model, here's your course. Oh, you're level one, here's your course. You're level two, here's your course. That was about as personalized as they got. How do you see Sana capturing enough information about people to actually recommend what the system thinks they need?
1: I think that the first point is, what is the atomic unit? Um, historically, the atomic units have been so big that no matter how good your recommender systems were, it that didn't feel very personalized. It was literally giving you a course on leadership because you seemed to be a leader, uh, which yes. is which is not very useful. The atomic unit now is is getting so granular, it, it can even be down to a word level, right? Where it basically assembles the sentences and from there on up, based on exactly what you're interested in. Okay, you're looking to learn machine learning, your your role is in in biomedicine, this is your knowledge level, and then it can tailor the exact content that it
0: puts. So you're gonna. So if I take a course in sauna on some topic, it may not be the same course as someone else who wants to take a course in the same topic because it would be dynamically generated for me. Is that the idea?
1: Exactly, and I think increasingly so. You know, we're we're now at, at the at the the beginning of this phase, but even choosing the unit. So we. We hear a lot of folks that uh, we just introduced automatically generating the the text to speech on the content and we hear a lot of folks that like to listen uh, listen to the content we also have other folks that love to chat and have the more socratic method where they keep asking questions and and so on so i think even the the sort of medium in which it's it's presented will will start getting uh, a lot more personalized and it's in, in learning science, it's, it's long been sort of debunked, the idea that people have different learning styles and there's no scientific evidence for that. However, I think people have very different sort of preferences in, in content consumption, and I think that's a very real thing.
0: I agree. In fact, I think sometimes the content consumption is where you are at the time you're consuming it. I'm in the car, I'm at the office, I'm in a meeting, right. Exactly. So let me ask you kind of a hairy question. I don't know if Harry translates into Swedish. So the big, the biggest infrastructure thing going on in LD right now is the skills taxonomies. And I mean, I just had a whole morning of conversations with companies about, uh, we talked to Google, we talked to NVIDIA this morning and some other companies about how they're building their skills taxonomies. Is that not the micro d- data that you want or signal, or where do you see skills relative to the other signals that you want to use to develop content?
1: there's the higher level sort of skills, you build a skills taxonomy, you assign the skills taxonomy to all of the content, you level folks at which sort of knowledge level they're, they're at, according to these skills, and, and then you provide very sort of tailored content uh, accordingly. And that's inevitable. And it, it makes it makes a lot of sense. But where I think it gets real interesting is of this very granular personalization, uh, where People get to develop very specific skills in their day-to-day um, together with this this knowledge knowledge assistance, and and that's where I think we can see a a, a true
0: true shift in in the so sense if we, took, if, if we think about like <clears throat> since you and I are working together on all this content that we have, so if we think about this big corpus of content that some company has, and then some project comes along and the the HR department decides, you know, we need a new skill in, you know, some biomedical science, if I'm a pharma company, or, you know, some compliance thing, if I'm a, if an automobile company. How would the SANA LMS use that skills data to dynamically or algorithmically build a solution that would be relevant to this? Because the skills data that's coming from the rest of the HR system is pretty coarse. It's, pretty, it's, it's a word or a phrase.
1: Exactly. And I, I think that's where it's sort of higher level directional where you say, we want folks to uh, develop AI ethics skills as we're, we're starting to interact a lot with, with, with these tools and, and then you would use that, but then you would need to start tailoring it because if I'm a software engineer, it means something very different from when I'm, I work in marketing or, or design and, and, and then you get another level of, of tailoring and then the Subsequent level is, okay, I'm, I'm in marketing, but what's my knowledge level and what prerequisites What prerequisites do I have? But then you have this sort of very granular level where you're in marketing, you're facing a specific issue. So you're running a new campaign, you're using this, this new AI tool and you're unsure uh, how, how you could be using it and what data you, you can use and, and so on. And you're faced with this very specific challenge which you need a set of skills for, when you when you effectively uh, instruct the system that this is the situation, and then it pulls together all of the resources, and it literally puts you at the the second in the video. You you I you see. Need it.
0: <clears throat> so it's really exactly like what we're doing with Galileo in a way. Is the, is the user or the system is asking a very specific question about a scenario and a situation, and then the system is assembling content.
1: And I think you need to deliver on. All steps of that journey, right? Like, yeah. I think that's that's one way. Then you also want to make sure they just get assigned the courses they need to develop that specific AI ethics sco- uh, skill. You want those courses to be personalized and 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 so on. Um, but one aspect of of the skills building that I think has been been lacking is that sort of real-time tutoring that's really exciting. So of course you need your skills taxonomy, you need your content to be tagged to your skills taxonomy and so on. But but what I find really exciting is, as you develop those skills, how can you assemble the content dynamically based on the exact sort of skills uh, to solve the the task at, at hand?
0: I completely get it. And because I've also seen your system and we've worked on it so much together. So given that idea, which is obviously a pretty powerful idea, how hard is it for anybody else to do this? I mean, if I'm a good software engineer and I pick up ChatGPT and understand the APIs, I don't even know how you guys built your company and where you got your engineers from. But is this going to become a common thing across all of the learning platforms? Or do you think there's you know, something unique and competitive here that you guys have already figured out. You don't have to tell me what it is, but give me a sense of, because I'm t- the reason I ask is I know most of the LMS vendors, and frankly, most of them are not working on this. Most of them are working on small things, skills taxonomies, a content generation tool that generates sort of static content from, from documents. How much of a lead do you think you guys have? I think
1: the the final point you, you make there is is a, is a really interesting one, because the, if you're not translating it into something that's really engaging, it doesn't matter how good that AI technology is, so so you have to ask yourself, you know, what what is the atomic unit of this content? If we're just pushing out, you know, this wall of text documents with multiple choice uh, questions, it still won't be a very exciting uh, learning experience. So one area we invest a lot into is making sure that, the units that you can create in the platform are super interactive and enjoyable to to consume and multimodal and 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 so on
0: visually interesting i noticed too you guys are very visual in a lot of your design
1: exactly so we put a lot of effort in into that you know what is it that you can create using using this and then the second uh, area is is the one around you know how does this sort of ai uh, assemble this and I, I think in in order to truly get it get it right, uh, there's it's a it's a big ranking problem and it's a big search problem and uh, and uh, that is in, in fact very difficult to solve. You want to pick the right assets created by the right a- author. You want to rank those those effectively and and there's a there's a lot of work. That goes into building a good search engine, and and that's in fact what what is powering these generative technologies uh, today. You combine a search engine with a generative technology so that the the LLM is fed the appropriate context to do its its generation. So there's some
0: so there's some serious heavy-duty software engineering under the covers here. This is not a simple problem.
1: Exactly, and then solving <laughs> it in an end-to-end yeah.
0: way as, as well, right? I think
1: when, when you try SANA for the first time, you're surprised by how many steps of, of the problem that SANA has solved. From the credit experience, we have a virtual classroom in the platform that enables you to host really interactive live sessions. We have the analytics, the management, the search and assistant functionality, and, and we sort of bring this all under, under one roof. And I think once that is fully in- integrated, it, it creates a, a really delightful experience for us, the learner, you don't have to go to five different tools and particularly as 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 you know, an admin and, and uh, a crea- creator, you can really build this incredibly delightful end-to-end journeys.
0: Well, I'd certainly agree with that. I've seen it. Two more questions sort of about the market and then maybe a, a little bit more on. Uh, we'll wrap up. So there are two sort of use cases that seem to me to be challenging with this AI-oriented approach. One is compliance training which I did a lot of at Deloitte, I actually had to do it, take it, (laughs) where, you know, in regulated industries, in regulated safety applications, there is a annual or periodic compliance process. You really do want to test people in some way. Sometimes it's a practicum, sometimes it's a knowledge test, it's a simulation, and then that data has to be used. Have you guys thought about all that and how you're going to handle those kinds of use cases? How are you going to assess somebody's actual capability in something? Of course, I think it's easy when, when
1: you know, you, you go on a podcast, it's easy to, to get, uh, you know, talk about the, the future and so on. But these are very real challenges. I'm
0: not trying to simplify the problem. I just want to get your perspective. <laughs>
1: but, but, you know, compliance is, is not always the first topic that that comes up in, in, in podcasts, but it is a very real challenge. That it's
0: actually a pretty big area that the LMS market is kind of locked into. <laughs> exactly.
1: Uh, but it is one where we have, you know, Customers with we have one customer with three three hundred thousand employees where they need to make sure everyone is compliant every every single uh, year and as part of that process they first want to put it on autopilot right they want to set up the trigger, set up the entire flows so they don't need to to chase it chase it and so on so that's where the automation capabilities uh, come in really handy and and then secondly there's sort of two two twofold. When it comes to the personalization of, of that as well so for certain content you you have to go through it in, in a particular order and so on to get assigned but for other content you might not only have to practice the areas where you have knowledge gaps so what we start with there is is this placement test which is basically a dynamic assessment that will assess what you already know and then it will only serve you the exact knowledge gaps that, that you have so for for folks like a lot of our our customers in in finance and and so on that have them um, they have a lot of compliance their their learners are delighted like so okay yeah, yeah.
0: so you could so you could have a compliance course and every year there's new content added to it so somebody could test out of the old stuff and only be really have to be trained and certified on the new stuff
1: exactly which saves yeah. them you know tens of hours in in compliance training each each year and also it's a it's a very delightful experience i think finally you know on that note as well what we like to think about is is we're bringing the scandinavian design ethos to to this space so we're we're a product which is more of a consumer grade product so Uh, I think that's quite rare also in the compliance space that people are delighted to- to That's for sure.
0: (laughs) (laughs) All right, okay, I have one or two more questions then then we'll wrap it up. So one more on learning and then I wanna talk about the company for a minute. So a big part of the learning platform space that's been very difficult for learning management systems is the human aspect of collaboration. Uh, What is the role of a teacher? What is the role of a mentor? How do you you know who collaborates with who? I mean, most LMSs have sort of discussion rooms and things like that. but what what is your strategy and architecture about the human relationship between people and the teacher in your strategy for Sana?
1: It was an interesting insight that we had that a, a large chunk of the learning happened in the live contexts, and the tools that were used for the live context were, quite static and more broadcast-esque and that's why we built out Sana Live which is this really interactive virtual classroom if if you like and and what that enables you to do is set up sessions with a whole lot of interactive cards, polls, reflection cards and so on that can engage the, the groups so as a facilitator, you can just click next and you have the next interactive card, click next, and you have the next one. So it's really easy for you to facilitate that. And as a learner, you move from you know being broadcasted to to really engaging and and it's not just a single person speaking at a time, but everyone can jot down their their ideas in 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 these cards. And and I think that was a, a very big shift where you could combine these journeys of highly interactive live sessions and really personalized self-study that made a very good combination of the very human elements and, and the others where you just needed sort of time and have it in, in, a, in, in, in your own way.
0: I agree. And then, of course, all that content's available for the AI to look at later to be reused for different applications as people want to get the, the content that came out of those sessions, right? Yeah. Okay. So what? another question for you, and then um, and then we'll kind of wrap up a little bit. So you're, I don't want to ask you how old you are, but you're a relatively new CEO. How do you build a great company? And maybe the Swedish culture is unique and part of this, but how do you stay ahead of the market? and thrive as a software entrepreneur in this kind of crazy world of online learning, which is pretty crowded and pretty messy. Of course. So in, in fact, I founded the first company when I was 16,
1: and then I was the CEO. So I have a full like, sort of 11 years of C- <laughs> C- CEO experience by, by, by now. But I think the first thing is, um, I've just surrounded myself with a with a lot of, uh, uh, you know, senior leaders that have done this journey before, for the U.S. market, we brought in someone exceptional from Slack that has seen this, scaled this uh, before. So I think uh, the reason how I've been able to sort of survive in this in this world is by that team that we've built and so what what i've i I think for the last sort of six years or so, I've basically been a recruiter. and uh, and I think that's that's how I've uh, survived is just building that team of of exceptional folks and And I think we have this very unique purpose of you know changing how people learn with AI that is is really exciting. We're also at a sort of breakout phase now. We've raised eighty million. We're expanding internationally with offices in London and New York, et cetera. So it's a really fun time to join, so I just try to bring in the the, the best folks to to complement me there.
0: Well, I, I'll tell you, my experience working with you guys, I think you're doing an, an amazing job. I mean, it is a competitive market, but I think you're I think you're definitely on the right track, and you're going to have a lot of success. I also just want to personally thank you for your partnership with us. We have really had a, just a wonderful time working with you guys, and I think we're going to do some great things together.
1: It's it's been a true blast, and and coming back to that idea that that we had around Galileo, maybe adding some some backstory to that. So I think this was back in 2018 or so I, I trained an assistant based on everything that Steve Jobs had ever said. So uh, every interview, every book, everything uh, effectively that that he had put out, and then I could use that and chat with it all day long. So I would give my strategy to it. And Steve would give comments, and he would say, for example, uh, he would comment on the people strategy where I was questioning during COVID whether we should go remote. He would say, "Never go remote, Joel. 95% of people problems are solved by putting folks in the same room," and he would give me <laughs> nudges like like that. And and to where we started the conversation, I had learned so much from from you, and now I'm fortunate to get to meet uh, with you and discuss problems with you, but. Back then, i I wasn't. And so when we were starting this idea, we were thinking about how could we basically create this sort of Josh copilot where <laughs> anyone could chat with Josh and upload their people strategy, get feedback on it, and ask any question and get get responses instantly. So it's been a such an uh, fantastic project in democratizing that the access to all of the knowledge that you built out over the last twenty five years.
0: Well, thank you for saying that. I'll tell you, for us publishing all this content, until we had a, a, an application or a platform like Galileo, we never knew how we would ever get it in the hands of people. So it's it makes it so approachable. It's so ridiculously different. All right, Joel, great. Hey, thank you so much for taking time to talk about SANA. And I know we'll be talking a lot more and folks out there in the market, you should check it out. Obviously, it's a very big market. There's lots of, lots of applications, but I think SANA is definitely an important company in this entire industry. Thank you. Thank you very much. Okay. So as you can see, there's a lot going on here. Some really important, exciting new ideas and technologies in the learning and development space. Stay tuned. We'll do much, much more on this. And as I said, if you are a vendor or you have a Really interesting story as an L&D professional you'd like to share. I think it's time for us to talk about it. Please contact us. We are preparing for Irresistible 2024. It's going to be a star-studded event. May 20th through 22nd. It's actually taking place during my birthday. So if you can find the time to come out to California, join us on the USC campus for a spectacular experience. And uh, we'll talk much more about what's coming at Irresistible in the next couple of weeks. Thanks everyone. Bye for now.